Welcome to the Boss Podcast. This podcast provides today's sellers with sales tactics that will help them to reach their goals. Your host, Mark McGinnis, brings you diverse guests, high-quality discussion, and valuable insights on every single show. Mark is the author of Tactical Pipeline Growth, as well as an in-demand sales trainer and coach for B2B companies all over the world. If you want to be better at outbound sales, you're definitely in the right place. Now let's get into the podcast. Welcome to the Boss Podcast. I'm Mark McGinnis. In this show, together, we unlock tactics sellers can use to help them to land conversations with their ideal buyers or to just be better at selling, regardless of the platforms they choose to use. Today, I'm sharing something to help all salespeople be better at virtual or digital selling. I've been on thousands of Zoom meetings and presentations, and I can tell you the average seller is doing a pretty awful job at running a decent virtual sales meeting, whether that be via Zoom, Teams, or Google Meet. And when I say sales meeting, I mean a demo, a discovery call, or even a follow-up conversation. The session that I'm sharing with you today is part of the bonus pack that I share with people that come to my power training programs that I run, my prospecting outbound workshop. These workshops are designed to help salespeople build out their own individual framework to having more and better sales conversations with their ideal buyers. This is a sneak peek into just one of those power course. If you want more information about the power courses, simply go to my website, which is markmc.co forward slash POW for more details. This particular session is also available on my YouTube channel if you'd like to grab the visual version, which you can find by just going to YouTube and searching for Mark Marina Sales Training. This clip is called our virtual selling. I'll also post this up on my LinkedIn profile, my featured section, so you can grab it there as well. In this 20-minute session today, we'll cover off some simple steps that you can take to be better at selling virtually, whether that means you're flexible working from home full-time or work from home during COVID-type lockdowns or if you're running a virtual meeting from a hotel room. Regardless of what it is, I'm confident that you'll get better results and more sales if you follow these simple steps in your digital sales situations. Thanks for listening. Selling via Zoom or Teams is now something we will need to do for a long time beyond the time frame of COVID lockdowns when they disappear off our radar forever. Buyers have made it clear they have a desire for buying in this digital and virtual format. And so, Selling this way will continue in at least some format, primarily as it has several benefits for the buyers. They find it easier and more convenient. It's harder for salespeople to build rapport and then sell off the back of relationships. And it makes it easier for buyers to ghost in and out of communication as they want to. For buyers, virtual and digital selling or virtual and digital buying is perceived as a safer way to engage both salespeople and their organizations. For those buyers whose sectors or industries are full of amiable and analytical buyers, such as HR or accounting professionals, this is a great way for them to buy. It provides a barrier of safety between them and their vendor salespeople. This level of safety is what's driving the desire to continue to buy by virtual and digital formats well into the future. 
In order to try and rebalance our selling environment, we need to be very good and rehearsed at this new digital or virtual medium. I've created this session as an overview of the main mistakes I see time and again that sellers make when turning up on video sales calls. I see salespeople messing up their video presentations all the time. The good news is that the solution is not hard to get right. It doesn't matter if it's first meetings, presentations, pictures, prospecting messages, discovery calls, or software demonstrations. Virtual or digital will be part of selling from here on in. In order to be good at sales today and into the future, we're going to to be good at virtual selling. There's so much to cover here, I could not possibly do it all in one take. So if you really want to lift your game in digital selling, then grab a copy of Jeb Blount's Virtual Selling as a Strong Guide to All Things Virtual. I completely recommend it. However, it's a nine-hour read. So let me provide some shortcuts to what I think are the key areas we need to cover. In this session, I'll cover the main areas I see salespeople screw up so you can fix them straight away or better yet, avoid them altogether. There are three obvious parts to this discussion. One, how you manage your on-screen presence. Two, the technology. And three is how you sell on digital. So let's jump into the first piece, your on-screen presence. Firstly, let's acknowledge that you're giving up lots of ground by not being able to see people in face-to-face situations. There's less body language available for it to help us interpret what it is that we're hearing. There's no handshake, no fist bump, no physical contact. But there's a lot of positives also about using video. One of the things that you need to be aware of is a thing called mirror neurons. Do you know what mirror neurons are? This is the reflex response that you have when you're walking down the street and someone coming the opposite direction smiles at you. You can't help but want to smile back. It's a reflexive action. Mirror neurons help people feel more connected to you. So using video, even in a prospecting video, is much better than a text-based only piece of outreach because you'll trigger these mirror neurons. It turns out we get the same effect whether the other person is live or on a screen, such as a TV, a monitor, or a video call. So wherever we can, let's maximize the power of video. Our eyes, face, and voice are everything in our ability to communicate. If we get video right, we'll be giving up a lot less ground to our buyers as compared to text-based communication. Screen placement. Make sure you're in the center. Plenty of face. Make sure they can actually see your facial movements. Rapport is all about wanting people to like you or at least to prefer you. In order to like you, they need to first see you. Make sure your video presence is not too dark so we can't see that your face. Make sure that your video presence is not too dark so we can't see your face. Make sure your video presence is not so dark that they can't see your face. Watch your background light levels. If your background is too bright, it overpowers the near vision and can make it harder to see your face and your facial movements and features. Make sure your camera is not too low so that your buyers are looking up your nose or too high and they're looking down your forehead. Work from home situations makes both of these a common mistake for salespeople. As salespeople work from their kitchen table or from their bedroom, 
make the effort to fix these, even if it's simply by getting a, something simple as a stack of books and bringing your laptop camera up to your eye height. Remember, the camera is your buyer's eyes. Eye contact is critical in all forms of communication, whether it be face-to-face or virtual. But here's the paradox of eye contact on video. Whilst you want to be making eye contact, so you look at where their face is on your screen. But by doing that, you're not looking at your camera. You're looking at your screen. What the others on the call see is that you're not making eye contact while you're trying to make eye contact. Looking at your camera is providing eye contact, but when you do that, you can't see their face. It's a paradox. It's certainly a challenge, but we still need to gain and build trust, and our face and eye contact plays a big part here. In order to do that, look at the camera, not at the picture of their face. Research says we spend somewhere between 30 and 77% of the time on video calls looking at our own image on the screen. Now, I don't need any research to validate that. I know it's true just from my own experience running Zoom meetings. It takes practice. It's hard not to look at yourself. In order to provide the best possible vocal impact, I strongly recommend you consider standing up to present or record. We all know that your posture changes the way that you speak. And because how you say something is at least as important as what you say, make sure you're placing yourself in a good position to sound as good as you can. Standing up makes you sound the best, in my opinion. Sitting on an office chair, or worse, your dining room table, is a sure way to have poor posture, and as a result of that poor posture, poor tonality, poor pace, and poor vocal delivery. If you don't believe me, record your video or voice from two or three different sitting positions and play it back for evaluation. You'll be surprised at what you can find. Let's jump through to something about dress code. And I think the standard dress code remains for sales. And that is dressing at least one dress standard higher than your buyers. So you don't want to dress so well as to make them uncomfortable, but not so low that you lose your credibility. On the point of dressing, I'm all for being authentic and bringing your real you to the workplace or to the work-from-home workplace, if that's the case. But when authenticity becomes a catchphrase for laziness or can be perceived as laziness, you've got a real challenge. If you look messy and disheveled, people are entitled to think you'll approach your work in the same fashion. When it comes to dressing and looking the part for a video call or for digital selling, I like to use a key point of dressing and looking like your LinkedIn profile picture. Why? We know lots of people will visit your LinkedIn profile or Google you, which will take them back to your LinkedIn profile, as part of their buying process. And they'll do this prior to coming into a call with you. What they see there on LinkedIn is setting the parameters around their initial expectations. So if you're in a suit or a shirt and tie on LinkedIn, and then you turn up to a Zoom meeting in a t-shirt, what does that say to the buyer? It shows a lack of consistency. And it can create what I call an automatic trust gap between what you've shown them online and what happens in real life. This will lead your buyers to ask, what else isn't true? You're creating an unnecessary trust gap. This is not ideal and importantly can be easily avoided. So dress exactly the same on your calls as your LinkedIn picture. Change one to match the other. I don't care which one you change. 
Is your outreach getting you labeled as a spammer? What once worked in B2B outbound doesn't work anymore. The goalposts have moved, and so must your approach to sales. Sure, you might land the odd conversation or even a reply to an odd cold email, but is it scalable? Will it provide you with enough revenue to hit your yearly goals? Having worked with sales teams all over the world, we see what works and what doesn't. Our new POW coaching program provides sellers with access to the very best training available today. It doesn't matter if you're a team of 50 or a team of one. We have flipped traditional sales training on its head and allow you to learn in your own time and still get the important coaching help that you need. Grab all the details at markmc.com slash POW. Makeup. Men, if your face shows up with all greasy hotspots or red blotches, consider using some concealer or a light brush of powder to even out any shiny noses or ruddy foreheads. Look, if it's good enough for Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe, you're not beyond a little bit of help yourself. Technology. Being an expert and being able to manage your chosen technology is critical. Okay, but first up, if seeing someone's face and hearing someone's voice is going to make for a deeper connection for both the buyer and the seller, what do you think we need to do as far as technology is concerned? Where do we need to focus? We need to make sure our audio and lighting are sorted out. After all, we need to be both seen and heard. On most video calls that I'm on, we have at least one person talking whilst they're on mute. And it's certainly become a catch cry that I hate. You're on mute. It doesn't need to be this way. If you're trying to position yourself as an expert in your field or somebody who operates their business at a high level, being unable to operate Zoom, Google Meets, or Microsoft Teams at an advanced level is simply leaving yourself open to doubt about your ability to operate in a fast-moving business environment. Believe me, your clients and prospects are thinking, if she can't even manage basic Zoom function, how can I trust her to provide me with something as complicated as my financial advice? If you think they're going to give you a free pass, you're sadly mistaken. What about audio? Microphone. Get a microphone and use that even if it's just the old Apple-style corded plug-and-play version put in your ears things. This way, you'll not miss anything that your buyers say, plus it makes it, it easier for them to hear you. Talking directly into your Mac, uh, lap, laptop microphone is for amateurs. It's an echo chamber. The small price you might pay for having the look of a headset on a call is more than made up for actually being able to hear clearly and be heard. Other options that work well for microphones are desktop mics, preferably with a boom stand, or wireless mic headphones, or buds such as AirPods. My favorite is a simple corded lapel microphone from $35 from microphone. You just plug that straight into the mic, into the mic port on my MacBook and, connect, MacBook and connect it to my shirt collar. I then use my AirPods as the vehicle, uh, as my speakers. Jumping across to lighting. Lights that are variable in color, temperature, and intensity are very cheap and should be in everyone's toolkit. In fact, I'd argue you need two lights to help balance out the shadows on your face. They're as available as low as 10 bucks each on Amazon. Light temperature refers to the tone of the white light or the color of the white light. Some lights are a blue white, such as the lights that you might find in your supermarket or your 7-Eleven store, whereas others are a more yellow white. 
buy an LED system that allows you to adjust the temperature between the blue and the yellow white to make sure you look your best. If you get one that's too blue and might make you look pasty, too yellow makes you look tired. On to backgrounds. There are heaps of options here. The key point is your video background, you don't want your chosen video background to be distracting or be more interesting than you are. One of my clients recently would come to a weekly sales training session sitting in front of a recent washing hanging out in her apartment. She was a great seller, but it was not a great look. Lately, nearly every virtual video platform has a background blur function. This is the best way out of a tough situation if you can't manage your environment. Ideally, you want to have a nice plain background so the focus is all on you. If you're using a plain real background, it says I've got nothing to hide. This type of plain background is my preferred solution. If you have to use a virtual background because of the environment then you're in, then that's fine. Find a cheap and easy green screen, even if it's one that simply pops over the back of your chair. These are pretty easy to find on Amazon for about $45. Um, And it makes your background look like a great fit and lifts the professionalism of your total presentation. There's nothing worse than somebody with a virtual background moving their head from side to side and half their face disappears. Let's face facts. A virtual background without a green screen looks cheap and is poorly executed. A green screen makes a massive difference. If you want, you can even get them printed double-sided to allow you to have a real branded backdrop if you need it. I've had one for years and I completely rate it. I'll give you a quick overview of all my tech setup at the end of this session. Now, on to the third piece. How do you actually run a great virtual meeting? How you sell virtually. There have been lots of conversations about how people buy both you and the way that you sell over the products and services that you sell. And of course, this remains true for virtual selling as well. It also means that the reverse is true. If you do a terrible job of selling by virtual, people aren't going to buy you. So how do we sell well in the virtual world? Here are the tips I picked up training people all over the world, as well as training as selling virtually myself. <laughs> Good sales meetings are planned. They certainly don't happen by luck. Start planning early on. Set the tone with an agenda. I know you've been told previously to always set an agenda in your meetings or your calendar invites, so this is just an extension of that strategy. When you're booking a video call with tools like Zoom, don't uh, use all the the standard uh, automatic invite. Customize it. Remove the phone dial-in information, dial-in information, if you want people to be present and interactive in your call. Only supply the web link. Put the Cal invite Put in the Cal invite the agenda for the meeting. Remove all the details that you don't need and place in the details that you do need. This provides a really easy way to build context at the start of the meeting by simply walking through the agenda and asking if that's okay or if there's something else they'd like to cover or discuss. In the meeting invitation, explain that you'll have your video on. Ask them to do so too. There's no guarantee that they will turn up and have their video on, but by clearly stating in your request, they'll be much more likely to comply. Running a meeting where you can't see the other person increases the difficulty of the meeting. You can't tell if they're paying attention, taking notes, or doing something else. I think we've all had one of those meetings, and they're really tough. Do whatever you can to sidestep that. When you're asking somebody to turn up on a, in a video call and have their video on, you're probably going to need to provide a simple reason. I found using a persuasion strategy such as social proof often works well here. 
It allows you to ask whilst positioning it as being in their best interests. Something like the following is how you could do that. Mary, in previous demonstrations, I found we can cover a lot more ground and waste less of your time if we all have our cameras on. Other clients have told me it makes for a much better meeting from their side as well. I'll certainly have mine on. Give that a try. One of the other things I like to do early on is engage everyone in the meeting. There's a couple of reasons that I like to do this. Firstly, you want to get any potential tech challenges out of the way very early, preferably in the first 60 to 90 seconds of your meeting. This allows you to get your, you know, that classic, you're on mute piece out of the way early in the meeting while people are still settling in and prepared to accept those types of challenges. Get people to test their microphone simply by saying hello, make sure they can quickly and easily mute on and off. The second reason I like to do this is it sets the tone for the expectation that they'll need to interact with you, that it's not going to be a one-way speech fest. By welcoming everyone as they come into the room and then asking them a simple question, you'll be able to tell very early on whether they intend to interact or sit on the sidelines. It also allows you to see and hear who might have tech troubles. Often I say to people, uh, often I hear people say, oh, look, I'm just from marketing. I'm going to sit here, sit here and be a fly on the wall. Don't expect too much from me. You can then decide to either let them sit on the sidelines or tell them right there and then that you'll keep them engaged in the conversation and you'd love to have them interact. That's up to you. But the point is, you're setting the tone. They're not. Have questions ready for everybody. One of the advantages of virtual meetings is you can often see who's been added to the meeting in advance. This allows you to do some pre-call research so you can have some questions ready to engage them. That research could be as simple as their employment background and their length of tenure at their current role. This is all possible via a simple LinkedIn research or perhaps it's possible from reading something, you know, uh, going to Google and finding their blog or something else that they've polished. I was once told the person who is the quietest in the meeting is probably the biggest naysayer to whatever it is that you're selling. I've always tried to make sure I ask good questions from those who choose to be quiet. In order to do that, you'll need to prepare well in advance. Timings and stops. We need to understand that a virtual presentation is much less dynamic than real life. So stop regularly and make sure you still have the audience engaged. I'd say every five to 10 minutes. Don't do an endless 20-minute dialogue. It's easy to get bored or distracted if you're an attendee. Work hard on making the learning environment as interactive as possible. Smaller pieces are key for attention on virtual. Time allocation for meetings has been shrunk since we moved to VC. You will have noticed that the standard one-hour face-to-face meeting has now become a 45-minute or even a 30-minute VC call. This is great. We might be spending less time in meetings, but we still want to make sure that we're getting and setting good outcomes. Whereas in face-to-face meetings, you might find that you spend 10 to 15 minutes on rapport conversations and small talk with things like, would you like me to get you a coffee? This doesn't exist anywhere near the same on VC. Expect to have two to three minutes of small talk and then have a nice segue straight into business. In your pre-call research, figure out in advance what your small talk is likely to be. One of my favorite strategies in running great meetings is when you're asking people to answer or you want their input, calling out their name at the start of the sentence and then supplying what I call a deliberate filler to give them time to respond and then and also to manage their technology so that they can turn um, they can come off mute. We need this to be We need to be conscious 
that a response will not be swift as it would be in a face-to-face setting. So instead of saying something like, so what's your take on that, Rebecca? Let's try something like this. Rebecca, I'm curious to know what you think of this study, especially as you've been in this situation before. Is this typical? What sort of insights can you share here based on our experience? Patting out the back half of that question, even just for a few seconds like this, will create a much more professionally run experience for all. And it's important to remember that if our buyers feel uncomfortable, if it feels like we're making them feel awkward or putting them under pressure in the meeting, they're likely to feel awkward to us and our situation. Knowing how to handle the expected delay in response due to the technical environment that we're operating in can make a significant difference not only to the meeting, but to the way you're perceived as a sales professional. Because digital is not the same as face-to-face, you do risk some of your main points being missed. In order to minimize that, I try to do one thing in relation to meeting structure, and that's the classic, tell them what I'm going to tell them in this meeting at the start, then tell them what I said I would tell them, and then at the end of the meeting, I summarize, then I tell them what I've told them. Try that out and see how it goes. Look, I'm sure you're doing some of these already, but if you put all of this together every single time, you'll be operating in the virtual and digital selling world at a much higher capacity than 90% of the salespeople I see today. Spending a couple of dollars on your technology, spending some time to make sure you get all of the functionality right, being consistently good is always going to be better than operating on being occasionally great. Thanks for listening. How would you like an electronic copy of Tactical Pipeline Growth sent directly to you for free? You see, I need a little help and I'm prepared to swap you for it. All you have to do is leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts as it would really help other listeners to find us and it helps us find more great guests in the future. And of course, the better the guests, the better the sales strategies that we get. The good news is it'll only take you about 60 seconds to do and you can probably access the review function directly from the device you're using right now to listen to us. I'd really appreciate it. Simply leave us a review and then screenshot that and send it to me either via DM on LinkedIn or directly through my email and I'll send you a copy of the book straight away. So that's it for this show. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.